Johnny, put that big ass size 7 on and kick it for the homies. Words, beautiful words, really cool words. words Get smarter, words, go farther. Words. Say something scientific. Salicylic acid. Get smarter with words. I am a good speller, I am. Get smarter with word from your mother. Positive words that start with you. The words that can come out of our mouth can change our life. Describe yourself in three words. Using big words can make you look stupid. Here's Johnny. As we welcome you to the Wednesday edition of the Get Smarter with Words podcast. Wherever you may be listening, downloading. Yes, it's true. You can get smarter. You can go farther. You can do more, accomplish more. At the very least, it's just a great way to kill 30 minutes. My name is Johnny Wright. I am your podcast hostess with the most words to share with you. Not bigger, just better words. Today's podcast is dedicated to the idea that diets suck, they don't work, and what does Smarty Pants, Johnny, besides being the the star of Castaway? We're going to get to that in just moments. This is Wednesday, December 30th, 2020. The 365th day of the year. Now you're saying, Johnny, wait, 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 wait a minute. Shouldn't this be the final? Isn't that it? And I say, <laughs> no. That's because somebody slipped in another, an extra day on us, calling this uh, the leap year. This is a leap year. What does that mean, Johnny? It's a year occurring once every four years that has 366 days, including February 29th. As an intercalary day, intercalary day, I practiced that a lot and I still boned it, intercalary of a day or month inserted in the calendar to harmonize it with the solar year, the nutty Gregorians. So in other words, we've got to keep jamming these extra days in there or else 100 years from now, every we'll be 15 minutes late to everything, right? So I think we owe it to the are the people who are being born right now to not set them up for failure, to be on time. As we consider the year and, you know, I don't know, what we would actually really kind of like to do with the year. What do you want to Drive you out to the middle of nowhere, leave you for dead? Do you review the year that was at the end of any year? Do you think back wistfully with interest and just, oh, thank yeah, that's what I did in January. Oh, yeah, I remember we went on that trip in February and we had fun, all that. Well, this year is different. Reviewing uh, 2020 is kind of like reviewing a trip on the Hindenburg, right? So you've got your your explosion in January, all right, just startling, um, massive flames and fire, uh, scalding your skin, February and March, and uh, choking, acrid smoke, March, April, May, terror, screaming, um, the chaos, tumult, people being thrown all over the place, and it's all being caught on tape. And that's been, and it's, you know, it's still going. It's not over. We'll, we'll see how 21, 2021 does. But maybe, hopefully, the thing will be, will crash and burn, and then we can move on with our lives. We can take a car home. By the way, Joseph Spa was a passenger on the Hindenburg. May 6th, 1937, Spa was an acrobat. He actually shared his uh, firsthand account of that day a couple days later, which suggests that that they actually survived it. His firsthand account is amazing. I want to read a little bit of this to you as he uh, told it to the Pittsburgh Gazette. All right. He said, quote, I managed to cling to a window support. Somewhere in the back of the ship, I heard a loud cry for help. 
Then there was another explosion. This was all a matter of seconds. I knocked out one of the windows with my fist. I climbed through. By this time, the fire had reached the lounge. The heat was so intense, I hardly could hold outside the ship. We were 200 feet up in the air. If I dropped, I knew I would be killed. I held on by one hand, and when the ship started falling, I turned loose. I landed on my feet, bounced into the air, and fell on my face. There was another explosion and another. The force of the concussions threw me away from the ship, which was falling directly on me. I crawled, managed to get to my feet, and then stumbled blindly across the field. I looked back once. The ship had fallen where I had dropped. And that's 2020. Tempor gets us through the show as our show sponsor. Thank you so much to the good folks at Tempor. Business travel in one click. Go to Tempor.com. Wherever you are downloading and listening, as we roam around this big blue marble to honor you listening to the Get Smarter with Words podcast, for example, in Arimbula, New South Wales, Australia, on the far south coast, or Sapphire Coast, as it is known. Great whale watching in that area. Also, Duluth, Minnesota, welcome. Very little whale watching there, but a beautiful port city on Lake Superior in the northeastern part of the state, just a stone's throw from Wisconsin. Brussels, Belgium, will take a much uh, stronger throw to get there from Wisconsin. Capital city, uh, bordered by the Netherlands, Germany, Luxembourg, and France. Carroll, Iowa, welcome. Bordered by cornfields and pig fields and more, more corn. Northwestern part of the Hawkeye State. 9,000 people live there. It's one of the 37 beautiful cities where I worked as a DJ in about three years. Oh, on-air talent. Not DJ, please. On-air talent makes a lot more money. KKRL was the name of that radio station. Quito, capital city of Ecuador in South America. And last, beautiful Honolulu, Hawaii on the island of Oahu. The beautiful gateway to that beautiful archipelago. Archipelago, Johnny, what in the hell? We're early in the show and they're already throwing dime, nickel, quarter words at me. Archipelago, an area that contains a chain or group of islands scattered in lakes, rivers, or the ocean. Now, speaking of ocean, it is my great pleasure at this time of the show to ocean of terrible first-time LinkedIn messages washing upon this podcast shores. A segment that we refer to as Strangers on LinkedIn. Strangers on LinkedIn, exchanging messages, wondering what the hell, what the hell, the person smoking, this is not a bar, and I'm not here to fall. Terrell, a marketing communications director in Los Angeles, says... In the message, hi, John. I trust your day is going great. Can, can getting this message count against that? Now, by the way, these are translations of what the person is writing. I'll translate that, but that was not a translation. That was a quip. All right, a quip, a cleverly, a clever, usually taunting remark, a jibe, a witty or funny observation. At least I'm, I'm hoping. She writes, continues, since we have never had a chance to actually speak... I wanted to drop you a short line regarding our services. Hey, let me take your pants off. That was a translation. 
She writes, we provide the highest quality data you can use for telemarketing, email marketing campaign, or to develop your social network. And you forgot the phone book. That's a quip. Up-to-date, accurate, and authentic contact lists from your targeted industry from United States or any place you select. I select Uranus. Quip. I'm looking forward to your reply. Two shows nightly, Terrell. If you want to be featured on Strangers on LinkedIn, send your nutty message to me on LinkedIn directly at John J-O-N-W-R-I-G-H-T last name. Are you feeling a little plump? Especially after all of that. But are you feeling chunky, monkey, funky, a little portly? Well, you are not alone. The average American gains about a pound a year from the age of 25 to age 60. Strangely, in France, they don't gain any weight. They're too busy drinking. In 2020, it is estimated that Americans will gain about 10 pounds. 10 pounds. For every man, woman, child, and infant. And listen, if you're a baby, that onesie that fit you in January, (laughs) forget it. So what is the number one New Year's resolution as we approach that day, just some 24 hours away? You're right. Yep. We want to be able to move shit with our minds. But close number two, yeah, we want to be able to lose weight. By the way, number three, we we want to be able to, to move the shit back where it was. So, yes, we want to be less fat. Big fat guy. I mean, like orca fat. Was she a large girl? Bakes for the hips, Romy. At the zoo, do elephants throw you peanuts? I can't stop eating. I eat because I'm unhappy. Wait for it. Wait for it. I'm unhappy because I eat. Exercise more. Lose weight. Eat better. Those three occupy the first three of the top five most common New Year's resolutions. Save money and reduce stress. Round out the top spots. Six through ten. Listen and share this podcast. That's a Harris Poll survey. It's done every year. Three out of ten Americans, it says, also will make a New Year's resolution. Six out of ten will break it. Thirteen out of ten will struggle with math. Harris Poll, by the way, conducted by... Harris Insights and Analytics out of New York City. Lewis Harris started the company in 1956. He did polling for John F. Kennedy in 60, and then in 63 started doing the presidential election polling, which quickly stopped in 2016 when everybody got it wrong. We all want to be more svelte. Even svelte people want to be more svelte. First of all, you have to know what svelte means. It is of a person, slender and elegant. The etymology of svelte, it is French and from the Italian svelto, which comes from the Italian verb svele, meaning to pluck out or to pull or stretch out. I think I like to stay with fat. All of the top five New Year's resolutions involve an action. Think about it in action. Lose weight, work out, save money. These are actions, physical actions. What is missing from the list, to me, is the most interesting. We see the acute problem as the problem. What does acute mean? It means 
of a bad, difficult, or unwelcome situation or phenomenon present or experienced to a severe or intense degree. It's the world of what's happening now, acute, the obvious, what is right in front of us. Being fat is the most obvious problem. You know, we see our reflection. Uh, We see our weight on the scales. We see the size of our clothes that appear to be shrinking, apparently, because they've been in the dryer too much. We see ourselves as others see us, and we see ourselves as we see others. Comparing. Always comparing. Comparing ourselves in every way, but especially, I believe, with our weight. That's why trying to lose weight is kind of like, you know, trying to put out a fire. It's a fire. Eating better, putting out a fire. Exercising more, putting out a fire. The more we try to do those things, the more fires we actually end up starting. Like a dog chasing its tail or, or, or arsonists posing as firemen. You're talking to a fat guy. I've been there. I've done that. I've got the chocolate-filled action figures sold separately. The old idea that you can never be too thin or too rich puts tremendous amount of pressure on us to not be too fat or too poor. There is the comparison. What's known as the horizontal connection. Now, the horizontal connection and the vertical connection is from internal family Systems. It's a kind of self-therapy. And I'll talk more about that uh, in an upcoming podcast about finding your why. You won't want to miss that. So would you rather be skinny and unhappy or would you rather be fat and happy? Now, now these are not mutually exclusive. Mutually exclusive. What does that mean? Being related such that each excludes or pre- precludes the other or incompatible, Right. All of those ideas, fat, skinny, happy, unhappy, whatever, thin, those are not incompatible. They can all exist and will exist and can exist. If you were blind from birth, would you feel the same way about being overweight? There's some research on that, some, and it suggests that People who are blind, while maybe not being content about the idea that they can't see, are much more content in general, even if they are overweight, because they can't see the difference. I remember when my mother, when I was when I was 14 years old, she said, Boy, you have small ears. I I I had never thought about my ears being small up to that point. <laughs> After that, I spent, I've spent the next 40-some years thinking about, gosh, I have small ears. If you go golfing with someone and you're watching them putt and you say to them, boy, you really bring the putter back a long ways, they'll miss the next 37 putts. It's a, it's, it's a given. Calling attention to it comes from comparing to others what they look like, what society tells us we're supposed to look like, what the scales are supposed to say. Can you imagine if you could re-engineer your brain? If you could think about fat as not being a problem at all, that your weight was simply a part of who you are, like your ears or your feet, your eyelashes, your hair, 
That comparing ourselves to each other creates the fire that we see as the problem and then with it the need to extinguish it. I was born underweight, substantially underweight as a, as a baby. I made up for it quickly. I weighed 200 pounds in junior high school. I'm 5'9". I've weighed as much as 320 pounds. I've lost and gained and lost and gained. Always thinking that my weight was the problem, trying to solve it. What if we could eliminate obesity? Uh, the, the idea of being obese, the terms for being obese or fat or lardo, whatever it is. What if the negative words pertaining to our weight were as repugnant as, as the N-word? What if all pejoratives about our size were, you know, gone by midnight tonight? You're out of here. Hit the road. Pejorative. A word expressing contempt or disapproval. We can, I believe, eliminate much, if not most, of the guilt of being overweight by looking at the root cause. Now, if you're not fat, you will you probably tuned out about two minutes in. For the rest of us fatties, okay, we're still listening. I think I have figured out a way and I can help you with this, where you can let go of the guilt and the fear and the anger and the frustration and all of the terrible things that go with seeing ourselves as fat and society seeing us as fat and we seeing ourselves through society, through, through the reflection of how we think others see us. Part of that comes from getting to the root cause And that is something called the root cause analysis, or RCA, not the TV people. Root cause analysis is a systematic process for identifying root causes of problems or events and an approach for responding to them. Root cause analysis is based on the basic idea that effective management requires more than merely putting out fires for problems that develop but also finding a way to prevent them. That is from Merriam-Webster's definition of root cause analysis. Firemen, arsonists, boom. That we see being obese as the fire, as the primary fire. We keep putting it out. We gain, we lose, we gain, we lose. That's because being fat is not the problem. Root cause analysis allows us to go beyond what appears to be the problem to finding out the real problem. To do that, we do something called the five whys of root cause analysis. This is something we do in training with the folks who are um, in our company, the biosphere, our training company. They're our clients. The five whys, what does that mean? It is an interrogative or repetitive interrogative technique asking ourselves a certain question over and over, used to explore the cause and effect relationships underlying a particular problem. Primary goal of the technique is to determine the root cause of a defect or problem by repeating the question, why? Each answer forms the basis for the next question. Let me give you an example of how this works, and not just about being fat or seeing ourselves as being fat, This is with any problem, any challenge, getting to the root cause of what is the what is actually causing it, creating it, because otherwise we're always at the surface. We're always dealing at the on the superficial level 
And that means the problem happens over and over and over and over, whether it's a relationship with someone you love, yourself, with the world, whatever it is, with food. Here's an example of the five whys of root cause analysis. I'll use myself and take you through this journey. All right, let's start with the problem. The problem is I am fat. Why? I'm fat because I overeat. Why? Because eating food makes me feel better. Why? Because I'm depressed, I'm angry, I'm unhappy. Why? Because I am not fulfilled. Why? Because I do not know what fulfills me. Why? Because I have never asked myself. Why? Because I'm afraid of the answer. Why? Because it might mean that I have to change. Why? Because there's a difference between who I am and who I want to be. Why? Because I stopped asking. Why? Because I didn't think I was worth it. Why? Because somebody somewhere convinced me I was not. Why? Because neither were they. Now, that's much more than five whys if you're counting at home. We replicate what we know. If we are raised by people who had low self-esteem, who lack self-worth, and who struggle to validate our worth as kids, then it is completely reasonable that we will pursue a life that makes us feel worthless. We create what we know. I'm a poster child for this. I was raised by people who were alcoholics, struggled to understand their own self-worth, their own self-esteem, who fought like cats and dogs. It was destructive. They came from destructive backgrounds, and their parents came from destructive backgrounds, a legacy, long legacy, a long line. If you are chasing your weight, hey— Okay, good for you. But where does that go exactly? It is the proverbial road to nowhere. There's no award for losing 160 pounds. I lost 160 pounds in 18 months. There's, I'm still waiting for my, for my trophy, for my little, you know, it's not coming. There is no larger seat in heaven for losing weight or, uh, or a larger seat in paradise or nirvana or moksha or whatever. Chasing our weight is, is a no-win scenario, the Kobayashi Maru. You are not fat because you overeat. You're not fat. And even if you are, who the hell cares? When it doesn't matter is when we win. We win. S-W, S-W, S-W. Some will, some won't. So what? It's a journey that is ongoing. I learn a little bit more every day about the influence my weight has had on my life and how I have allowed it to hold me hostage to the ridiculous notion that I am not worthy. I am regardless of what my weight is, not because of it. 
I hope you're able to take something from that and maybe even change your resolution, like by not having one. (laughs) That's the best resolution of all. This program is brought to you by Tempor. Folks who are resolute in providing business travel in one click, Tempor.com. We learned a lot. I mean, we have so many words jammed into today. Look at this. Leap year. Intercalar. (laughs) Boned twice. Archipelago. Harris Pole, there, I got that one right. Svelte, acute, mutually exclusive, pejorative, and root cause analysis, just to name. Oh, and the five whys of root cause analysis. <laughs> hey, Friday's show, what are we going to be doing? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know. Just show up. It's going to be kick-ass, whatever it is. Enjoy the close of 2020. The ride on the Hindenburg is nearly over. Enjoy the rest of this beautiful day. We will see you back here, the Get Smarter With Words podcast, in 2020.